and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, and myself continue our discussion on Article 8 of the Augsburg Confession, What the Church Is. Welcome to Being Lutheran. I'm Pastor Brett Bow. have with me... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. Yes, we are talking as quickly as possible <laughs> through a lot of stuff to cover um, about the church. Yeah, we've, we've made the editorial administrative decision that you guys are getting at least four episodes out of the content of the article because yeah. you're talking about the church, there's just way too many facets yep. that well, we're going to skip This is over. really an airplane view of what we're talking about. Yeah. And so I would encourage you to dig into this a little bit more. You can look into the different Lutheran confessions, the Form yep. of Concord, the Epitome to the Augsburg Confession. There's just a lot of great... I said that wrong. The didn't epitome. I? The sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, no, the apology. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I want to read that document. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry. Augsburg Confession yeah. and Apology. Formula Concord has the epitome. I know. In the I know. <laughs> yeah. Forgive me. Oh, gosh, I'm not Lutheran now. You know. Yeah. We have to take away your Lutheran card. That's all right. I think a lot of people would like to do that anyway. Uh, so we got the large and the small small card articles. Exactly. Yeah. The, the small yeah. card articles and the large called articles. Yeah. Love you guys. All of which Thank we'll, you so much. Yeah. We'll get Christian to Christian love and charity. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to those documents okay. 20 years from now. The Apology to the Augsburg Confession, the Formula of Concord, yeah. and its epitome have a great deal to say about oh. the church. Yeah. Please uh, look into it. Yeah, so. this, is, this is a really great article to step back and point yeah. out how often mm-hmm. the various articles of the various documents of the Book of Concord are woven together. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's not a, a linear listing of theological things Mm -hmm. that, you know, this article has a place in the overall message of the Oxford Confession, Mm -hmm. but there's going to be articles in the Apology and in the small card articles in the formula. Mm -hmm. This has a direct relationship to what Luther talks about in the large catechism on the second article of the creed. Uh, In fact, Luther develops a very strong theology of the local congregation Mm -hmm. in the second article Hmm. of the creed in the large catechism, um, talking about how the, the gifts of salvation must be expressed and received personally in a local congregation. Mm -hmm. We are not allowed to leave a conversation about the church in the abstraction. Mm -hmm. So my point, before I was so rudely interrupted, (laughs) corrected, before you provided brilliant material. This is a much bigger topic than we are giving credit for. But with that, we will jump right Mm -hmm. in and get right back to what we were discussing. Right, and and we're talking through the eighth article of the Augsburg Confession, and uh, we wanted to spend time uh, in this episode talking about ecclesia, talking about local congregations, and um, going from there. You know, and I know we maybe briefly mentioned it last time, but, you know, for us as AFLC, you know, free Lutherans, uh, I mean, well, yeah, you quoted the first uh, fundamental principle. Yeah, the the kingdom or the Mm -hmm. local congregation is the right form of the kingdom of God on earth. Now, what what we will say here at the get-go, especially because I know we have a lot of listeners in the LCMS, we have a lot of listeners who aren't Lutheran. Church polity, Mm -hmm. the the governmental structure of a church and denomination, is completely adiaphora. Yes, It's a complete open question. Uh, We obviously are in the AFLC because we have some belief in, uh, you know, kind of, what's the uh, word? Conviction. Conviction Mm -hmm. of 
being congregational and yep. not being in that hierarchical structure, but there are advantages and disadvantages to being congregational. There are advantages and disadvantages to being synodical. Yep. Uh, so uh, when we talk about that level, we're, we're not going to be making a heavy-handed argument that one way is right over another way because it's an open question. It's, it's the very purest form of adiaphora that we have freedom because there is no specific prescription in Scripture to govern our churches based on the way they're already established and based on what we think is most consistent with the principles in Scripture because there isn't a prescription. Mm-hmm. And there are even those who would say that it's not adiaphora, and we just want to say we respect and and, and <laughs> the great <laughs> thing about believing it is adiaphora is say, well, we'll agree to disagree on that. Yeah, <laughs> and we're just thankful for mm-hmm. the salvation of Christ Jesus, yeah, uh, and the universal, invisible Church that is established through the head of the Church, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Yeah, and that's really the true nature of the church where this article has started that you read for us last episode, Brett, mm-hmm. is the the church consists of the congregation of saints and true believers. And you yeah. kind of hinted at that Greek word, which has kind of become a pu- buzzword in American evangelicalism. Yeah. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. Yep. Uh, and there's kind of a literal meaning to that is the ones who are called out. Mm-hmm. And so the church is known as the called out ones. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, Which, by the way, doesn't that tie in with vocation? It does the, call the it calling, and yeah, it it, mm-hmm. it does. But it's funny because I was gonna go there right when we're doing it to be called out. Mm-hmm. Primarily, isn't to be called to mm-hmm. a mission, but it is to be called out of bondage right. of in sin and in, into yep. by the gospel. I just yep. always have that picture of Lazarus. Yep. You know, mm. called out yeah, of the tomb. Out. That is a picture of the oh, church. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, the, that's cool. Lazar, the mummified Lazarus mm-hmm. emerging from the tomb, yeah. enlivened by the words of Christ. Yeah. Right? And then oh, that man. wonderful statement, unbind him and set him free. Yeah. Now, Amen. Yeah. And so <laughs> what's interesting is the very next point to that is that the church as we see it is mingled with hypocrites and evil mm-hmm. persons. And, and we have three right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, we, yeah. Yeah, I, I regularly tell my congregation yeah. that the reason, uh, the reason people accuse Christians so often of being hypocrites is because so often as Christians, we act yeah, we like are. hypocrites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's always room for one more. There's always yep. room for, you know, the, the, the thing about hospitals is they would be great if they weren't for all the sick people. And the thing about churches is that they'd be better if it weren't for all the sinners, right? Mm-hmm. But where the church goes adrift mm-hmm. and the church becomes guilty of the criticism of hypocrisy yeah. is when the church loses its center on justification and it becomes a matter of behavior adjustment and moral improvement yep. rather than a matter of the gospel, rather yeah. than a matter of the yep. forgiveness of sins, rather yep. than uh, a matter of new life in Christ. Yep. And I think, you know, so often there are so many denominations in the Lutheran scope and the reform scope, uh, in, in generic Protestantism, even with the Roman Catholics, where we have lost the basic message of Christianity as justification. And it's been a matter of a focus on prescribed piety and, and moral performance rather than on simply people who have been forgiven and washed in the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. This is the part where I want you guys to add to the conversation so I don't no, just talk I'm for a straight. <laughs> I'm trying to pull up, uh, you know, I, we have listed here in our notes uh, about 
uh, Matthew 13. Yes. And uh, I'm trying to pull that up while you're talking, so well, sorry I didn't quite... I missed that cue, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I would have kept talking just for a little bit more. You can tell we're out of practice a little bit uh, here. Well, I want to read that uh, for us, Matthew 13, um, 24 through 30. Um, says, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Mm. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So, yeah, sorry I wasn't ready to read that more quickly. I forgive you. Thank you. That's the nature of the church. Yeah. Hey, wow. At least you got the Christian charity. I got the Christian critical, you know, just (laughs) kidding. all right. (laughs) I was just really excited to read the epitome to the Augsburg Confession. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never live that one down. Yeah. You have to start writing that. (laughs) And and the purpose of that passage and the teaching from Scripture is that when we enter a church, mm-hmm. a congregation, we do not and cannot have the expectation that everyone there is a brother and sister in Christ. Everyone there is a believer. Mm-hmm. There are people there who have not yet received the gospel. There are yep. people there maliciously to create havoc. Yep. Yep. There are people there for personal pride and status. You yep. know, we we've talked multiple times, you know, both off air and on air, mm-hmm. uh, how tempting it is for a congregation to turn into a country club. Yeah. And the the I mean when you the moment you become a social club, mm-hmm. the positions that are established in the church for good order and for church government become positions of prestige mm-hmm. and pride. Uh, that happens uh, especially with the office of pastor. Mm-hmm. But in certain churches, you know, the bigger the church is, it's it's a significant thing to be on a church council. You know, if you take a mega church and there's, you know, twelve council members or whatever. It's it's a significant uh, position of responsibility, and it be, they become positions of pride mm-hmm. uh, rather than opportunities for service. Mm-hmm. Or in the in the congregational aspect, it, the roles become re- reversed to how they're prescribed in Scripture, where it does become about oh, I'm the consumer, I want my amenities, I pay my my tithes, and I want yeah. I want these amenities, and I want these amenities, yep. and I want this to be convenient for me, and and it just reverses what even Jesus. Mm-hmm sad about his own ministries that I did not yep. come to to be served. I came to serve. Yep. And that aspect of his example really should resonate with all congregation members throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And, and what we need to realize in this, the next point as you read through Article 8 of the Augsburg Confession is that even if the church is mixed with hypocrites and evil persons among those yep. who are called out, that if you are centered on the core function and doctrine of the church, it's going to be all right. Yeah. And, and so where they go is it's lawful to use the sacraments. Mm-hmm. It's good to hear the word preached. Yeah. And, and there are so many supportive pass, uh, passages for this. But, yep. uh, you know, the, the one that keeps coming to mind that Paul says, and I think it's in Corinthians, whether Christ is mm-hmm. preached in pretense or in truth, mm-hmm. Christ preached. is still being preached. Yep. And for the Christian church, that's the baseline. You right. know, or 
Are you unhappy? Yep. Are you, you know, with your church, is there struggles? Well, there, there's certain things you can do. Talk to the pastor, talk yep. to leadership. But as long as you're hearing the word preached, yeah. that's better than not hearing right. the word preached. It kind of reminds me of our AFLC fundamental principle number four, I think, where it talks about, you know, there's going to be a mixture of people that, you know, kind of similar to this statement of, you know, believers, unbelievers, or those that are deriving false comfort from their attachment to a congregation. Yeah. Uh, but in that, they say, you know, to per, to uh, bring about health through the quickening preaching of the word. I'm paraphrasing it, but uh, yeah, just love the emphasis on on the the powerful effect of God's word through preaching and preaching long gospel and um, has a word a work of uh, exposing sin and and calling us to repent and yeah. call, pointing us to the cross. And reviving us mm-hmm. and, well, and, to and life in Christ. What's amazing is that the core function of the church is exactly what you need to happen in a church that is full of saints and sinners. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so the answer to anybody's concern about being in a church where there are wicked unbelievers mm-hmm. involved with the church is, well, you need the word to be preached because there's nothing that is going to change yeah. a heart yep. better than law and gospel as applied yep. by the Holy Spirit. Yep. Yep. That's uh, right. You know, and so the the concern mm-hmm. here uh, in the Reformation, uh, especially uh, with the fight against the Roman Catholic Church on the one side, and then the overreaction of the radical Reformation on the other side, is what if I'm going to a church where the priest or the pastor mm-hmm. who was leading services turns out to not even be a believer? Yeah. You know, right. can I take, is there assurance in receiving the sacraments? Well, you know, what if I was, if I was baptized, baptized by yeah. an unbeliever? What if I found out my priest uh, was just a power hungry mm-hmm. uh, charlatan who's trying to get himself elected up the hierarchy in the Roman Catholic Church? Yeah. And this is where your foundation on the gospel yep. and the re- a good, healthy doctrine of the word of God and the means of grace. Remember, we talked last episode about how many different things yeah. are going to be flying off the page here. Right. All of those come into play to ground your identity and the activity of the church. If you are centered on the gospel, if the ministry of the church is the preaching of the word mm-hmm. and in the administration of the sacraments, which again is the word applied to external elements, mm-hmm. you can take comfort in what God is doing based on his word rather than the identity of the people who are serving in the church. Mm-hmm. That's the whole nature of this. And, and it seems like a weird or an alien fight for us today, I think at times. Uh, but when you look at the scope of American evangelicalism, when you look at the scope of generic American Christianity, especially for those people that have been through a political fallout at a church, mm-hmm. that have been through, um, you know, something like the prosperity gospel, uh, receiving comfort for your Christian life, having been put through the ringer in some of these denominations that aren't healthy. Well, yeah, God was still working in your life through the ministry of the word, no matter who you came in contact with. And I, you know, I don't have personal experience here too. I imagine there's much comfort to be uh, offered to someone who has been wounded by someone in the church. You know, if, if, if you have somehow been abused mm-hmm. in mm. the church and, you know, 
I, I have found in, in, you know, anecdotally in my personal life that most people who have walked away from the church haven't done so because they just changed their mind about the doctrine, yep. but because something happened in the church to embitter them towards yeah. Christianity. Yep, that's right. And and this is kind of the salve for that, that it mm-hmm. is it, what is important in the church is what God is doing through word and sacrament and the work of his spirit, mm-hmm. rather than centering on the idea of persons serving in the church. Right. Yeah, and that that's why it's important to have the spirit work, the spiritual truths to give us the spiritual eyes to see that when we look at a, a local congregation. Yeah, and I, and I want to be clear there just because of how sensitive a topic, if you have been mm-hmm. abused in a church— uh, that needs to be reported, and those leaders and those people need to be held accountable. Uh, and if you have been abused in a church, I want to say it with the utmost care and compassion for you. Uh, we are sorry. You mm-hmm. know, uh, as leaders in the church, all three of us are yep. pastors. Yep. Uh, we ought to have a heart mm-hmm. for those who have been wounded yeah. and the compassion, because that is the exact opposite of what's supposed to happen in a church. And and the message here as we try often inadequately to comfort and console and have compassion is that it is the word of God in the identity of God that matter for your salvation and for your personal comfort. And, and yep. you know, it's not, you know, what you've gone through isn't tied to the people who were ministering to you mm-hmm. in whatever capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We lift our eyes to see, uh, a gracious heavenly Father uh, who heals and mm-hmm. restores, applies the healing balm of the gospel. And you know, to to get back to maybe a more positive topic in this, the other comfort in the church is a comfort for pastors who are listening to this. Mm-hmm. You know that God is effectively ministering through the Word and the sacraments. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's the case for me, maybe not as much for you two, but uh, it's. It's a really tough scenario on Sunday afternoon to wrestle through preaching a mediocre sermon. <laughs> or at least feeling like you did. Oh, yeah. it's, yep. it's, it's just a real... That's why I take naps on Sunday <laughs> just afternoon. Just try to forget, remove yourself from it. Cleansing, cleansing the palate. You yeah. know, I, I've mentioned on the podcast multiple times, the worst four or five hours of the week for me as a pastor are after Sunday service is done. Hmm. You replay the service in your head. I mean, one, it's really easy as a pastor to fall into works righteousness yep. and, and think that God needs help doing his job and you're the guy to help him. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is there's, there's grace and compassion here because the identity and the existence of the church is based on who God is and what God is doing. And, and yes, it's a tremendous honor to be taken seriously, to deliver his word to the saints, to be privileged to administer the sacraments. But when we screw up, uh, when we preach a mediocre sermon, we preach even a bad sermon when, yep. when we're at the end of our energy – it's the Holy Spirit who is carrying that word and applying that word to hearts and lives. And uh, it's both a, a threat and a comfort at the same time that we are not necessary to do what God is doing in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me want to send out a text blast to all my pastor brothers uh, <laughs> on Sunday afternoon. But at the same time, I, I just want to, you know, there's that seriousness yeah. as being um, ordained clergy uh, ordained pastors, that there's a responsibility yep. in our own lives 
uh, to set an example, again, not as a works of righteousness mm-hmm. thing or false display of piety, but in honoring yeah. of the office and the privilege it is to be a proclaimer of the saving gospel of Jesus yeah. Christ. And I think there needs to be a seriousness. And I think that there, yep. especially with some of the things that have come out recently uh, with sexual misconduct in various mm-hmm. denominations, and that's been a part of it maybe for decades, uh, is to have a healthy fear of the Lord. And I yep. think, honestly, it needs to start with the clergy. Mm-hmm. Fear of the Lord is truly the beginning of wisdom. It's amazing how much of every part of life in the church is a matter of holding attention. Yeah. Right? That... As pastors, we have to take seriously our task to artfully and, and, and skillfully craft a sermon based on the, the beauty and the depth of God's word. But at the same time, the moment that sermon flies from our mouths, mm-hmm. it's the Holy Spirit doing the work, yeah. not us. And, and you know, we're, we're trusting the way God used all of our training and experience to even write the sermon. And it, the same thing goes for uh, our example as pastors, uh, the ministry we do as yes. pastors to the members of our congregation, the way pastors and staff and members of a congregation witness to the community around them, that's all intention. And in the, if you swing one side too far or too far to the other side, what's going to happen is error and damage mm-hmm. rather than a healthy uh, expression of what God is doing in and through the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that delicate balance needs to be uh, really intentionally uh, sought out by clergy and leadership and just to embrace the message of reconciliation, not just about salvation, but living that life of confession and repentance toward a mm-hmm. salvation without regret, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. That has to be a reality for all Christian leaders, um, or quite frankly, we're just doing a great disservice to the gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, intentionally and prayerfully, and the moment the pastor uh, becomes CEO of an organization, that battle has been lost. Uh, the, the, the ministry that you're doing is so much more of an uphill battle because you have shifted in focus from the message of the gospel as communicated in word and sacrament to we are nothing more than a business doing what's in our best interest to maintain the success of a business. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, close this out with Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 19. Uh, Paul is speaking to believers. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our discussion on Article 8 of the Augsburg Confession, What the Church Is. God bless you and have a great week.